Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, what a difference 24-hour makes. We're going to talk about the volatility that we've seen within this grain complex. Higher numbers on really all the way across the board on these grains. Now, the livestock, not so much. Cattle continue to stick to the negative, but the hogs were to the upside as well. Post-WASDI report, lots to look at. Open interest, weak dollar, a lot of factors building in, as we're going to get those details with Alan Brugler. Alan with Brugler Marketing and Management. So, let's start out talking about this volatility that we've seen in this trade over the last 24 hours. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on here. You had a very oversold market after the crop report. They were they were pushing it because there were some bearish elements in there. But the the big problem is open interest is way down, particularly on the corn. There's been some, some social media comment about that. And when there's there's less open interest, uh, it's very easy to push the market around with a few orders. So uh, you, you you have this herd mentality all pushing it down, and then you come in, you're even more oversold the next day. There's no liquidity. Uh, somebody wants to take profits after their big move, and it just triggers a, a, the herd running the other way. So it, it's a function of the lack of liquidity. Part of that has to do with the fact we're in mid-July, and for old crop in particular, there isn't much cash grain to sell. So you're not getting the elevator hedging. Uh, that that affects what the funds can do as well. So looking at, at let's talk a little bit more about this WASDI report. Um, did you see any surprises, or were you? And we'll talk about what's going on in the wheat. But did for the rest of it, did you see any surprises, or was it as expected? Well, I, I think the the million dollar question was what was USDA going to do with corn yield? You know, all the analysts in the Bloomberg and Reuters surveys expected a, a reduction. The question was how far was USDA going to go with it? I'm pretty comfortable given our, our Brugler 500 crop condition ratings was something in the 175 to 177 range for right now. And they went with 177. So, uh, you know, that was not a, uh, the surprise factor was that they didn't, they didn't, uh, go a lot further. Okay. They didn't take it to 165 or something like that. The, uh, I think the other surprise to some folks at least was how much they whacked the exports, uh, on soybeans, particularly for next year. There's a, there's a tendency to think that, oh, yeah, we got, you know, less acreage and they left the yields alone, but that means, uh, carryout's going to be down below pipeline levels because X demand. USDA doesn't work that way. They recognize that you can't go below pipeline supply, which for beans is about 130 million bushels. And uh, that price rationing will cause you to not go any lower than that. So when their when their top side numbers started to say we were going to get too tight, they said we're going to lose demand. They raised the cash price estimate, cut the cut the exports. All right, what about this wheat? Because there's a lot of chatter going on about this wheat complex. Yeah, I, I think people convinced themselves that you know we had we had the bad drought early in the year and the the production just not there. But when you when you look a little closer, uh, it started raining in the Western Corn Belt in the in the HRW territory. It started raining uh, in early May. Crop conditions improved every week, starting in early May, uh, particularly for HRW. They they went up every week uh, from there until now, and uh, we have to remember that only about fifty percent of the Kansas crop was was headed back at that time. The rest of it was still immature. That would be true for Colorado, Nebraska, and some other further areas north as well. So uh, we weren't going to get a bunch more tillers there, but we were getting uh, some 
<clears throat> some moisture to the heads, some wheat that you thought you were going to have to give up on, you didn't. And uh, that was that was probably the biggest factor yesterday was USDA increased the harvested acreage by 600,000 from, from what they had been using. And uh, the yield went up a little bit, 1.2 bushels per acre. So, uh, you know, we were anticipating uh, some improvement there uh, because of the crop condition rains primarily. Uh, SRW, uh, we'd also gotten some reports from the Eastern Corn Belt, from Ohio specifically, of some 110 to 120 bushel yields out there. That's SRW yields more heavily than HRW does normally, but uh, when they're getting those kind of numbers, that's that's going to give you a pretty good national number for SRW. So looking at um, overall, what are we going to see in the next week or so in these markets? We've digested this. It's kind of, I don't know, July just kind of seems to get to the quieter field of these markets. If so, what should we be focusing on? Well, I, I think on the corn side, you have to focus on this, this little trading range we, we apparently are in. Um, between about 480 and, and 515 or so. If you can get out of that, then I think the short covering will, will really kick in. You'll have you know, some of those people that had pretty large hedge gains uh, in late June and early July uh, coming out of those positions, and you can start talking 530 to 540 at least. Uh, but again, you've got to have a catalyst. Today was an impressive little rally, but it, it was an inside day. It didn't even uh, get outside of yesterday's trading range. So uh, technically, we're oversold. We ought to we ought to have a bounce here, but it's been a strong downtrend. Over on the bean side, you know, it's it's just the opposite. We've had a strong uptrend. The uh, the November soybeans uh, dropped from the upper Bollinger Band to the midline, bounced off of it now three times, and um, they're still in an uptrend at this point. So. The burden of proof is on the bears to say why beans should, should stop going up here. Uh, one thing I would point out, this the soy corn ratio is tipped very heavily to beans, and I think the market's trying to do two things here. It's trying to get double crop beans in the areas of the country that could still plant them. Hey, you weren't sure you were going to do it. Please do it. We really need them. And it's also signaling the Brazilians to expand their beans in their first crop slot, and that starts in September. So this, this rally is going to, is going to, we're going to pay a price for that in terms of expanded production somewhere, whether it's, it's here or in South America. All right. We'll stick around, folks. When we get back, we'll take a look at what's going on dollar wise. We'll take a look at a lot more factors that are influencing the way we're seeing the markets trade on this Thursday. It's the Fontenelle Final, Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Alan Brugler. And, of course, we left off kind of talking about the WASDE and all the effects that we're seeing within this market trade. But I wanted to get your kind of thoughts on this weaker dollar. Is there the possibility with the weakness that maybe we could entice some export opportunities for us? Or are we going to have to wait till fall? Well, the the dollar has more of an impact after harvest. All right, when the when the supply is pretty much fixed, 
the demand focus is, is where you're at, and, that, and that's where the dollar plays, right? Supply and demand intersection is price, but the, the price in dollars varies with the value of the dollar. You know, the, the, the illustration I like to use is the, in a typical year, the dollar value might shift 4 to 5% at the most. There's exceptions, but most of the time, 4 or 5% in a year, whereas your yield estimates can change 15 or 20%, and that stock's usage ratio can shift proportionally to that. So when you're trying to figure out what the supply is, crop conditions have a lot more, uh, more impact than the value of the dollar. Right now, we're getting kind of a, uh, a little extra boost because the dollar has had a big drop. Uh, the inflation numbers were, were lower than expected. CPI, 3%, headlines, 4 and change. And that that uh, started revisionist thinking that maybe the Fed wouldn't have to be so aggressive about raising rates at the end of the month. So uh, all of a sudden, we, we've got a weaker dollar and a little more inflationary uh, environment, although, again, inflation looks like it's trending down. Uh, inflation in general is good for commodity prices in dollar terms, but... Uh, and you'd argue against the, the commodities if, if CPI is coming down. But uh, as long as the dollar's weaker, we can we can dream. There we go. Let's switch gears and take a look at the livestock side. Speaking of dreaming, um, this cattle market has definitely been on a crazy roller coaster as of late. Still some negative numbers. And you made a comment to me during the commercial break with um, just really not sure why we sold off so hard on Wednesday for this cattle. Yeah, there's... There's not a lot of, uh, you know, real bearish fundamentals here. I mean, just look at where we are in the cattle cycle. We've got declining, declining slaughter numbers, <clears throat> and we've got, uh, we're going to have extremely tight feeder cattle supplies once the, once the cow-calf guys start pulling heifers off. Uh, the, the, the two things that are going on here is, number one, we don't have a lot of evidence that, that we're doing heifer retention yet, uh, even though the grass has gotten better. Number two, uh, <clears throat> the board gets ahead of itself. All right, we set new contract highs this week for August cattle and some of the other contracts, and it uh, it just gets ahead of where the cash market is, or it just gets in a situation where the the, the people that are long need to take profits, and so you get these. Um, I, I find myself amazed that I say this, but we can have five to six dollar drops in cattle and don't mean anything. Uh, at the price level that we're at. They're just routine corrections. Um, the, the macro story uh, it, it hasn't changed yet. It, it's likely the board will top before we actually see a turn in the cattle cycle, but there's no indication we're there yet. So as we look at, um, you talked about retention and where we're going on this uh, cattle market. What do you see as some of the packer interests? Obviously, the, the numbers are there for them. Are we just kind of playing this back and forth game at this point? Well, we're we're uh, the Packers are looking at, at tightening feedlot supplies. Uh, okay, we've already because of where we are in the cycle, we're we're already starting to see those on feed numbers drop relative to recent years. Uh, so they know that they know the numbers are going to be a little tighter, and they'll really get tight, you know, a year out or so if the heifers start to be uh, held back. They're currently are going into the feedlot. The, uh, the what really is uh, intriguing to me, of course, is there's been some financial incentives for for small local backers to start up. You know, the, the government was trying to generate more competition after what we saw with COVID, where you couldn't get the animals killed. 
but this is a terrible time relative to the to the uh, cattle cycle to start up additional processing capacity because you're fighting over fewer and fewer animals. So uh, we're getting lots of competition. Uh, packer margins appear to be fairly squeezed right now. If you look at the, the spread between uh, the cash, uh, five area cash, and the and the cutout values the, for the beef, uh, they're still making money. Just not as lucrative as it was a couple of years ago. And we've still got a rally that's been going on in this hog complex. Uh, hogs are still going up as well. Uh, that's a seasonal thing. It started really late this year. Uh, you normally would have expected the cash hogs index, the CME index, and the cutouts to start going higher sooner in the spring than they did. There were there were some good reasons for that with Prop 12 and how it was uh, misallocating pork around the country. But uh, right now we've got we've got the index going up. We've got the cutouts going up. All right, sounds good, Alan. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Oh, they can call us at 402-697-3623. Visit our website to see all the different uh, services we have available for uh, producers and agribusiness. That would be Brugler, B-R-U-G-L-E-R, marketing, all one word. Also follow us on Twitter at BruglerMKTG. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.